Hello, I'm Jean Hurd. I'm Stuart St. Paul. And this is Cruising with Doris Visits, the podcast. This episode happens to be released on Remembrance Sunday. As cruisers are constantly visiting places of historic conflict, we thought we would make this pod one of reflection. We're going to start by cruising into Pearl Harbor, which is a war memorial. Why start in Hawaii, America? Shouldn't we start where the poppies came from? What, a a cruise to Dunkirk or Bruges? Where? The poppy fields. They come from Flanders. No, you know what I mean. Ah. Do you know what the Mandela effect is? Well, I know he's an icon who fought against apartheid with great effect. Uh, I know there was conflict and many people died. Hmm. And it will always be remembered in various versions. Oh, so does the Mandela effect refer to the way we're told things or fake news? No. History is always first coloured by the victor, but the Mandela effect is a real thing. It's about the unreal. Supernatural? No, not like going to New Orleans as we did in our Halloween podcast. It's to do with how humans incorrectly remember what they see or are told. Like playing that game Whispers, when you get into a circle and whisper a phrase to the next person and so on and so on, until it comes back totally different. It's about remembering incorrectly. A memory you are certain of, but that you've remembered wrongly. It's a human condition. But when found as a mass effect, where lots of people remember something incorrectly, that shared false memory by multiple people is called the Mandela Effect. I often get my cruise ports mixed up. So go on then, why is it called the Mandela Effect? Well, the name comes from people reporting they have a vivid and detailed memory of seeing the news coverage that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 1980s. That's a false memory. He is such an icon and it is such a good example of mass incorrect memory that his name is attached to it. To false remembering. So what's that got to do with Remembrance Sunday? The clue is in the title. I didn't want to get my facts wrong today by using memory. Well, people would be very upset. Ah, but I did know that the poppy has become the accepted symbol for Remembrance Day. And I knew that it had other history. Ooh, do tell me more. Which came first, the poppy or Remembrance Day? The day. No, the poppy. Firstly, Remembrance Sunday is a day. It's not a poppy. Okay. It was first observed... In 1919, throughout the British Commonwealth, which is 54 countries at least. So it's a cross-border thing? Most definitely. It was originally called Armistice Day, and it was to commemorate Armistice Agreement that ended the First World War on Monday, November the 11th, 1918, at 11 o'clock in the morning. I think even I knew that. So, what do you know about the poppy? Well, the British Legion does that. But it's not a British thing. It was not started by the British. By the Commonwealth, then? No. Now we're in the false history area, like Bell invented the telephone that had been around in many countries for years. So who invented the poppy idea? You're not going to like this. (laughs) The Americans. Really. Though we could argue it was a Commonwealth thing, as it was triggered by something a Canadian did. You love getting to the truth, don't you, and questioning everything. Teachers must have a torrid time now. All children have access to knowledge via the internet. Did you know 
There are more people in the world with smartphones than have flushing toilets. That's my fact of the day. You're obviously going to tell us about the poppy. Shortly after losing a friend in Ypres in 1915, a Canadian doctor, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, inspired by the sight of poppies growing in the battle-scarred fields, wrote his now famous poem, In Flanders Fields. Four years before the day was set. Does that mean the use of the poppy is Canadian? It's a Commonwealth thing. Mm, Yes and no. There's more. Yeah, because American professor and humanitarian Moina Michael from Georgia, a daughter of a Confederate veteran of the Civil War and who came from a family of cotton plantation owners and were all military people, families originating from Brittany and Flanders. So we are talking cruises to Bruges and Ostend and Dunkirk near the poppy fields because all the flowers along that coastline are amazing. Did she start the poppy appeal? Yes. She bought poppies to sell to her friends to raise money for American servicemen in need after the First World War. And when did the British Legion join in? A couple of years later, they adopted the established day and her idea of the poppies. That was in 1921. They ordered one million poppies from France. The British Legion used the day to raise money for war veterans here, and they do a great job. Fantastic. They do a really good job. Guess what else I found out? When World War II ended in 1918, Britain was still fighting. They were still involved in seven other wars around the globe. And since then, we have been involved in 43 other wars, almost without a gap. Whilst you cruise, you're forever seeing ports and ruins and hearing stories. The pictures we saw of Hamburg and Rotterdam showing when they were flattened were quite astonishing. Cruisers actually see more of war history than most. One soldier no longer with us did an awful lot for the Memorial Park of Pearl Harbour, which is in Hawaii. It's Elvis. He was heading to Hawaii to make a film called Blue Hawaii when he was asked if he would perform a charity concert in aid of the Arizona Memorial to the Lost Soldiers in Pearl Harbour. Yeah, he was famously called up, wasn't he? He pledged to buy the first ticket for $100 and the tickets ranged in price so that everyone who wanted to attend could afford to do so. Elvis was proud of his contribution for a cause so dear to his heart. He made subsequent trips to visit the memorial and gave more concerts there, which is free to enter and easy to get to by the local bus for $2. There is so much to see at Pearl Harbour. There are four sites and each one takes approximately two hours to view properly, so plan your visit. So you get a chance to have a look at a proper submarine. The USS Bofin, SS-287. So what was it like inside a submarine? Probably not as pleasant as it seems when you can get in and out this easily. I should imagine it was very cramped. This is the Aircraft Museum and it's $12 to go around or $8 if you're in your golden years. If you're an enthusiast, you can easily spend a day here. There are an endless number of exhibitions, museums and film shows. This, I can't believe this, it's a Japanese suicide torpedo. So there's a little window down there and so they sat in the torpedo and were killed. This is a three-inch 50 gun. I find it absolutely horrifying to think that people actually sat here and killed people. This whole park is a memorial to the people that lost their lives and there are lists and lists of them here. So sad. 
On the morning of December the 7th in 1941, explosions shattered the Sunday morning calm of Oahu. Japanese planes first attacked the airfields to destroy aircraft still on the ground. Then they converged on Pearl Harbor. Dive bombers screamed down and heavily damaged the seaplane base at the left end of Ford Island. On the far side of the island, torpedo bombers attacked the Utah. On this side, they repeatedly struck Battleship Row. High-level bombers then stormed in to bomb battleships that torpedoes could not reach. One bomb detonated the Arizona's forward magazines. The ship exploded in a huge fireball. Pearl Harbor got its name because of the pearl industry and behind me is a stall selling pearls. Useful tip, if you're visiting Pearl Harbor and you don't need to bring a bag, don't bring one because they make you check it in at the door. I, I asked Mike, who is our moderator on the Ventura chat site, if he could remember what he was doing when he heard the news that Elvis had died. Hello, my name's Mike from the Ventura Group. Um, when Elvis died, I was an impoverished drama student uh, working in a warehouse for great universal stores trying to earn some money for the next term. Wow. That doesn't exist anymore. A warehouse with endless reels of film in. And the Rank Labs in Denham is now a housing estate. Everything is stored in the cloud, like lost souls. So, Mike, was it a shock to you that Elvis passed away? Not really, Stuart, if I was to be honest with you. A surprise, yeah. But what really did shock me was exactly a month later, uh, the death of Mark Bolin, who died in a car crash. That's an incredible memory. I just left working at Radio 1 and was then at EMI Records. Well, Capital Records, to be precise. And I remember the staff leaving for Mark's funeral. I was a big fan of his. I had the crushed velvet trousers and the stacked shoes. It's amazing how you remember those moments. I know when Elvis died, I was driving my MG Midget and listening to Radio Luxembourg, and I heard Tony Prince announce it. Where were you, Mike? I heard of Elvis's death when I was walking from the bus station up as far as the, the warehouse where we were working over the summer. Um, I wasn't really an Elvis fan back then. It's only in my, my uh, later years I've come to really enjoy his music. I think it's the same for me. And having just watched the film on Elvis's life story and seeing how narrow-minded the, the uh, generation before us was, I wonder if, in part, we were conditioned to avoid liking Elvis. And, uh, in fact, some of the Beatles' success may be due to the fact that the very clever manager, Brian Epstein, who John said was the fifth Beatle, saw an enormous wave of resistance against Elvis and made the Beatles look so clean-cut, when in fact, they weren't, and Elvis was. We've we just been to Hamburg, haven't we, and seen the Beatles? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, up in the uh, Reaper Balm. Mm. Mike, you let it slip that you'd been an actor. Back in the 70s, I was a member of the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain. Uh, I was in two musicals in London at the Cockpit Theatre, one... Children's Crusade, and the other was a new musical uh, called By Common Consent. Um, the BBC saw Consent and put it on Play for Today. We spent 10 days rehearsing at the Acton Hilton and then three days recording in Studio One at the Television Centre. 
Jean, you you played a, um, at the television centre and you were in a play for today. Yep, that was my first telly job. And um, I remember I was uh, playing Judy Parfit's daughter, the great Judy Parfit, and Linda Robson was in it as well. I think it was one of her first jobs too. And, and one I did showed you how commercial the BBC was because it starred the great Richard Harris, Dorothy Tooting, Tom Bell, who I later directed in two other films, and the wonderful Tim McInerney. But because it had 69 actors, they never, ever repeated it and never will because the accountants say the cost of paying the actors royalties made the show uncommercial, uh, allegedly said. (laughs) Mike, did you study drama after the National Youth Theatre? After that, I went to uh, drama school at uh, Bretton Hall in Yorkshire. I've spent four wonderful years there. Beautiful surroundings and uh, absolutely amazing place. It's now home to the Yorkshire Sculpture Park. Absolutely brilliant place. Ah, a Leeds connection. I did 26 years attached to Emmerdale. Did you do any acting after drama school? I didn't do much, to be honest, after drama school. I spent a lot of time, well, I was a teacher, so yeah, teaching kids drama. I really enjoyed that. I did do some freelance radio work doing sports reports and uh, doing some commentaries for hospital radio, which I did for 30-odd years. And now on the podcast. Let's see if we can get you back. Maybe you could do a short interview with someone from your chat group and we can put that in a future podcast. It is a great group, Stuart, to be honest, yeah. I really enjoy moderating it. And uh, we don't have many problems these days. It's uh, a really friendly place. And uh, I think it's a great group. So why not come and join us? Thank you, Mike. Mike's a moderator on the P&O Ventura group by Doris Visits, which is heading towards 10,000 members. We have around 20 groups for different ships, all listed on dorisvisits.com. The groups are actually on Facebook and they're all called by Doris Visits. So ship name, Saga, Cruise Group, by Doris Visits. All got the same kind of name. Now, before we go to the beautiful little Greek town of Charnia and the war graves at Suda Bay in Crete, I'm going to ask David what he was doing when he heard the news of Elvis passing. But I dread what he's going to say. <laughs> I have no idea where I was or what I was doing when Elvis died. Maybe I was writing a letter that was returned to sender. Anyway, I don't have a wooden heart, so here's today's techie tip. Did you know that when you're at sea on a cruise and you have aeroplane mode safely switched on to avoid connecting to the maritime service and racking up those huge bills that you can still prepare to send WhatsApp messages. All you need to do is create the WhatsApp message and press send. But because you won't have signal, as you'll be in aeroplane mode, the messages won't go anywhere. But as soon as you get ashore and either connect to data, assuming you have roaming data included in your phone package, of course, or you find a safe Wi-Fi connection, Open WhatsApp and watch your messages go joyfully on their merry way. And that will save a whole load of time being sat in the port writing your WhatsApp messages. Thanks, David. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you again in the next episode of Cruising with Doris Visits. So many islands of the Mediterranean and ports that edge it are strategic because they are staging posts that pepper the route between continents. 
from Gibraltar to the Bosphorus, and they've been invaded and traded since man first invented the ship. Shipping has to be the oldest form of long-distance travel. Hmm, how about camels? Camels can't swim or fly. Crete is a very interesting strategic island in the Mediterranean, which has three cruise ports. On dorisvisits.com, we have guides to two of them. Well, we have guides to all three, but we've been to two and filmed two. Heraklion is a busy town with the ruins of Knossos, a city dating back to 7000 BC. It's really easy to get there on public bus and there's a wonderful little cafe inside. But the port we loved was Hania, which has a beautiful bay and a fishing village, nice beaches and the very sad war graves of Suda Bay. Don't buy your fridge magnet as soon as you get off the bus. Wait till you get to the Venetian harbour because at the top they're two euros and here they're one euro. Brilliant place to just sit, have a coffee and people watch. The lighthouse at the entrance to the Venetian harbour is said to be the oldest lighthouse in the world. Your ship stops in deeper water than Hania Bay, so the public bus or the hop-on, hop-off bus will get you from the ship over to here. Cheapest ride on a horse and carriage, 15 minutes, 20 euros. The Byzantine Wall was built to protect the city in the Hellenistic period and it was built on the ancient ruins of Pydonia. The usual little alleyways with the beautiful orange trees and outdoor dining. If you walk away from the harbour, past hop-on hop-off bus stop number one, along to bus stop number two, you'll pass a swimming pool, you'll come to a fishing village and a beach and it's an easy walk. I would definitely recommend Neahora Beach. You can walk here and it's beautiful. The water's clear, perfect place to spend a few hours. Overlooking the ship at bus stop number one are the war graves. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived. Felt dawn. Saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die... We shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Thanks, Jean. That poem by Canadian John McRae inspired the American lady to begin the poppy appeal in the USA, which has now spread and does great work everywhere. Many places that were strategically near the sea are now miles inland as sea levels change and silt comes down from rivers that classic ports were built around. Like Canakli, there in Turkey you find Troy. And the war graves of the tragedy of Gallipoli. How many men have given their lives to protect a width of sea? Too many. 
As dawn broke on the 25th of April 1915, Allied troops landed on the Gallipoli Peninsula. How many men from Troy to the Great War fought another man's beckoning? Too many. The British 29th Division landed at Cape Helles and the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps troops ANZAC landed at Babor Tepe, later named ANZAC Cove. Will it ever happen again? It's happening now. And men are falling. Too many. Both underestimated the Ottoman troops, which managed to contain them with ease forcing them to dig in. Over 130,000 men died. I can't believe we're up to Chapter 5 of A Cruise Ship Heist, but five podcasts, five chapters. If you've been listening to that on A Cruise Book at Bedtime on YouTube and even chatting along and commenting as you listen at 8pm on weeknights, then we'll see you in the next podcast. For those of you listening here, you're following Kieran into danger on a cruise ship. And that is exactly where this seems to be heading. Chapter 5. Not so fast. The queue moves rapidly past a female customs officer. The old couple in front of me are waved through, but I'm stopped. I present my passport and lift my cases ready to be searched. Purpose of visit. I've come to see my daughter, I blurt out, and then wonder why I've said it. She live here? You planning to live here? This could still go all wrong. I'm joining a cruise ship. She's a dancer there. I'm being precise, trying not to engage further interest. Nice, nice father. You have nice day with your daughter, she waves me through. What an ordeal. Feeling free, I check my watch to assess the time lost from my plane to get to the rainforest. You can release the soldier from the service, but not the military precision from the man. I accelerate out of the terminal, into a wall of heat, and see a man holding up a sign with three names on it. Mine, Kieran Phillips, is at the top, plus Ron Cohen and George Harding. Damn, I must wait for two others. I'm Phillips. Captain Phillips! He laughs in a way that shows he's been saving this joke for ages, but it goes over my head. Tom Hanks! He adds, as if I should now applaud. You, Tom Hanks! Captain Phillips! I have no idea what he's on about. I scan the area where there are few taxi drivers left hustling for trade. My mystery military wingwoman from the plane strides in from the flank. She taps her name on the card. That's me, Miss Ronnie Cohen. She smiles and turns to me. Ron is a woman. So you're not a gay dad, and there's no wife or partner. Nice swerve. I thought she had you. You either lip-read or you have very sharp ears. Had she not been arrested, I could have enlightened her with the rest of my boring story, but I guess she wasn't interested in me. 
I adopted. My daughter, Alali, is a dancer on the cruise ship. You missed that bit. I told that to the customs officer. If they get together later, they'll have the full story. I offer my hand and we shake. Ronnie, Navy, marine biologist, she offers, knowing I'll return similar information. Kieran Phillips, Royal Tank Regiment. Cavalry, she grins. It's not really a question. She's showing she knows my regiment. Historically, tanks descend from the horsebank cavalry regiments, and she'll have assessed that I'm too tall to have ever been inside a tank. She probably thinks I'm from the household cavalry. I match her grin, and we both turn back and look towards the terminal, waiting for the last person. I'm thinking Ronnie's no biologist, and I'm hoping she's not thinking I'm just a ceremonial guard. Do you get the feeling, I start, that she's not going to make it, Ronnie picks up? Our girl will. Your Latin lover? No. What does she mean by our girl? Thanks for listening to Cruising with Doris Visit. It's essential that you share and comment, please, and leave a rating if asked, wherever you find this. Thanks to Mike from our P&O Ventura group by Doris Visits on Facebook and David from Tech It Easy. The next Cruising with Doris Visits podcast is on your musical entertainment. Until next time. See you next time.